Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Schwinnie Poo, and this is episode 140. I am joined today, uh, not by Prez. Prez is, you know, he's got a very, very busy social life. So he said, fuck everybody, I'm out tonight. No, I'm just kidding. He's got shit going on. Um, but I am joined by a very special guest, not a first-time guest, but one who everybody will know. Ariel Pacheco, Ariel, what's going on? So man, how you doing? Uh, I guess I'm a veteran now. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, fun. you've been through the wars, you've been through the battles, uh, you came through the 2020-21 season, and uh, you know, you got you got cred on these Strickland streets. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, um, look. Before we get started, obviously. Uh, I just want to mention that we do have a Patreon. Uh, encourage everybody to subscribe. There's multiple tiers, $6 tiers, $9 tier. Uh, the $6 tier gets you access to this pod right here. Uh, also gets you access to our Discord. Uh, and also gives you access to mine and Jeremy's mailbag, which drops every other Wednesday. Uh, also, if you subscribe to the $9 tier, you get access to both of those podcasts, and also the wonderful, wonderful writings and musings uh, of Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda. Also, you get access to me yelling more on Strick and Roll uh, solo pod that I'm hosting. Uh, and then there's also access to us on further tiers, $50, $100 tiers even. Uh, if you want to, obviously, please subscribe. Uh, I would recommend at least, at least get into the $6 tier because... Get access to the Discord. And the Discord is where it is all happening. Uh, that is where we talk with the Strickland community. Um, but no matter what, if you do subscribe or not, we appreciate your support. And none of this would be possible without you. All right. Anyway, enough of the praise of our listeners. Let's talk some Knicks. Um, the Knicks are se- se- they're 7 and 5. And before we get into the specifics of the last game, which we're definitely going to talk about, uh, because we got to. I got to talk about Kemba. I, I got to get a lot off my chest about Kemba. But anyway, we're not going <laughs> to do that right yet. The Knicks are 7-5. and five. I, I look like when you're stuck in the Knicks universe and you're just viewing everything, everything sorry, through the lens of the Knicks, I think it's easy to just look at that and be disappointed. And I understand it because I am also disappointed about it. But when you look around and compare it to the rest of the NBA, I think it becomes less of a disappointment and more of like, okay, maybe there's stuff they're working out early in the season. Um, Ariel, like, what are your thoughts on that in terms of just like a more broader picture of things? I kind of I kind of agree. Um, 
the NBA this year is, is pretty damn competitive. There's probably like what four or five teams that are actually like trying to lose games or tanking. Yeah, so, I, I don't least, even know. I don't even know because I thought so. I thought coming into the season, I was like, okay, these teams are going to try to lose games, right? I was mm-hmm. like, Orlando is going to try to lose games. The Pistons are going to try to lose games. Um, okay, he's going to try to lose games. And then I was like, Rockets? And that was about it. And even then, like, I mean, I don't know. Have you watched the Rockets at all? Like, they're not good. But when I watch them, I don't actually think they're trying to lose. They're a young team. They're, they're playing hard yeah. every night. They're trying to win, yeah. Like, the players are trying to win. I meant, like, more so the franchises. Like, you yeah, know. yeah, but I, I yeah. Mean, like even in that aspect, I'm saying, like, I don't... I have, like, watched the Rockets play a few close games. And never in any of those games have I watched them and been like, oh, wow, they're just, like, benching this guy who's playing well to lose this game. Like, I haven't seen uh, that yet. Um, and yeah, they're like, playing the, the veterans, yeah. They're, they're still yeah. playing, like, DJ Augustine, Eric Gordon, yeah. Daniel Tice. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going all out. And, th- and the Thunder, like, they're 4-6. So I'm like, okay, yeah. well, all right, well, I was totally wrong about that. Um, and then, like, yeah, I mean, in the East, like, you know, who knows what's going on with fucking Detroit. And, um, you know, to your, but to your point, like, yeah, it's just there's not a lot of teams every night that are, like, not trying to win. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the Wizards are first in the East. Like, nobody saw that coming. It's, it's like, it's been, it's been fun to watch as a fan, like, just the basketball, because every game has been, you know, competitive for the most part. But just looking at it from, like, a Knicks perspective, it, to be 7-5 and five at this point, I mean, like, the Bucks are 500, uh, you know, the Celtics are under 500, the Hawks are 4-8, and eight, so it's like, it can be a lot worse. I think there's a lot of angst over, let's be real, I thought the Knicks were going to be better than the, I, I thought the Knicks were going to be better than the Bulls. I still think they're going to be better than the Bulls. But I definitely thought they would start off better. They haven't. Um, I don't know what to make of that. But, like, it's kind of weird because at the same time, when we went and played them in, in Chicago, I thought we completely outplayed them. I know the the end game was that it was 104-103. R.J. Barrett makes, like, a heroic stop at the end of the game. But, like, for 45 and a half minutes that game, we looked way better than them. I don't know if, like, if you I thought agree. that, but, like, I, I thought we just looked way, way better than them, way more talented. Um, but I will say this. I mean, that game, I think, took us to 5-1. and one, Is that correct? I, uh, something like sure. that. Yeah, yeah. Know, that took us to 4-1, and one, and then we, we beat New Orleans um, a couple days after that. took us 5-1. But, like, I do think after that Chicago game, the team's level has dropped. Um and I'm not sure what to make of that. And that's why I wanted to have you on because you do these wonderful film breakdowns every day after the Knicks win or lose a game. You have wonderful film to break down. Um, so a lot of the consternation, a lot of the concern comes from the fact that the Knicks are now sitting at, I don't We'll, we'll see what happens by the end of tonight's games, but uh, coming into tonight's games, they were 25th, I believe in defensive rating. Um, not good. Very, like bad. It, it, look, there's no sugarcoating. It's bad. There's been a lot of talk about like, is this luck? Are they getting unlucky? Is this regression? Blah blah. 
to me, it's a, I don't, I don't think it's consistently been there. The effort closed down shooters. What I will say is this. I thought last night they definitely got unlucky. Like I thought not, not in the sense of like they competed for all 48 minutes, but I thought the bucks made a lot of threes that you kind of just have to live with. Um, and and they probably made too many of them. I mean, Pat Connaughton made what fucking seven threes. The guy's thirty five percent. Yeah, like and and you a lot of those though. like people are like. Sorry, say it again. I said you live with that though. You live with Pat Connaughton making seven yeah. threes. Yeah, yeah, you have to live with that. And it's like, like I saw a lot of people like, well, why are we leaving them open? And I'm like, all right, well, one, Giannis scored fifteen points, so that's the trade off. And two, um, you know, like. I don't think all those Pat Connaughton threes were wide open, in rhythm, no pressure threes. Like, there's a difference between that and a difference between what we've seen in other games. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I agree. Against the Bucks, even even in the first game against the Bucks, in the second half at least, the game plan like really shifted to just stop Giannis and like force the role players to beat you. And that's a big reason why they came back in that first game against the Bucs. Um, mm-hmm. And last night, the plan to stop Giannis worked. He scored 15 points, like you said. They built the, you know, they were building the wall around him. They were converging on him. And they were living off guys like Pat Connaughton making threes and Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen's been hitting them, but I mean, yeah, he's been that's the trade off. Yeah, he's been good for them. He's been good for them. But that's the trade off. I mean, it, it's a smart bet to make when, you know, they're missing Brooke Lopez, they're missing Chris Middleton. There's not too much talent around. Well, I'm not going to say too much talent, but there's not as much talent around Giannis as usual. So, uh, I mean, I wasn't angry with, like, the game plan of um, giving up, not giving up threes, but forcing the other guys to beat you. I think you live with that every time. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Tibbs has shown, like, I don't know if you agree or disagree with this, but I think he has shown a strong inclination, uh, at least in his time in New York, where he will, he, he's fine with role players beating you. But he does oh, yeah. not want the main guys to beat you. Saw it against the Sixers too. It Embiid last year. I remember they did that with Zion. They, 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 he's perfectly fine with letting the other guys win the game. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think that's like a, a terrible bet because look, we see this with Julius, right? Like stars when they want to get like it's not about selfishness or also unselfish unselfishness, but you get a, used to like scoring a certain amount like you know what i mean like you get used to a certain type of living and all of a sudden you play a team that's like yeah no you're not gonna score you average 30 yeah you're not scoring 30 tonight like it's not happening so you know we'll give you 15 assists if you want to take it take take the 15 assists they can throw a team off their rhythm you know they're used to a guy like getting these shots getting these certain looks and then when he's not getting them and now you know the role players kind of have to create a little bit more than they usually do it can throw them off their game um, it's a give and take, though, you know, because if they're having a hot night, then you're kind of screwed. But I mean, you live with that, though. That's that's the trade off. Yeah, and, and I thought, um, you know, like I guess last night it was very, very. It was a very weird game because I thought in the first quarter the starters went out. They were down like thirty-one twenty-two. I mean, it was basically thirty-one twenty-two at the end of the first quarter. The starters were down once they first started cycling out. But I actually thought defensively, for the most part, they had been pretty solid. Like, I think Semi Ojale hit a three, which, like, okay, yeah. you just <laughs> live with that. 
I know he shoots like a pretty decent percentage, but it's literally just like he he shoots wide open shots because nobody respects him. Exactly. Um, and then you know. Connaughton made like they were seven of eight, I think, from three in the first quarter. You can sit there and say all those are wide open. I think that's not true. Um, but like I thought, I thought it was okay. I was like, okay, that, that, that's fine. Um, and I thought I the think... energy was there. I thought the effort was there. I thought Mitch was awesome in the first half. I don't know what you thought about that. I mean, I thought he was generally really, really good defensively in both halves. I, I just. He kind of got lumped in with that starter group unfairly, I thought. I think so too. Even I think even the plus minus kind of reflected that. But the thing with the thing that kind of frustrates frustrates me with Mitch is more so like a tips thing. He keeps putting tips on like these stretch bigs. Like in the Indiana game, he mm-hmm. had him on Turner instead of Sabonis, and then yep. even last night he uh, Miss gave up a couple threes to Bobby Portis early, and when he should have just been on Giannis from the jump and then have Randall on Portis. So that that kind of matchup is. The matchups Mitch is being put on is kind of like having a bad effect on him. And he's not in the paint as much to protect the rim. So it may look a little worse than he's actually playing, like just from the eye test, because he's not around the basket, not contesting shots, not grabbing rebounds. But I think he was fine as well, especially when he was the primary defender on Giannis. Yeah, I mean, there were a few times Giannis... I mean, there was one, I think, where Giannis in transition went at him. He got to the rim, but like he couldn't really get off a good look and it rimmed out. And like... He was like looking at the ref, like, "Why aren't you giving me a call here?" And the ref was just like, "What call do you want me to give you, dude? He yeah, didn't touch funny. you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like he didn't touch you." So, um, yeah, like I thought, I thought Mitch. I was actually really, really encouraged by Mitch last night because I've, I, I mean, I've been critical of him this season at times because I think that like I understand he's coming back from injury. I understand like his fitness isn't all the way there, but there have been instances of just like pure mental lapses I've seen. Um, I've seen them well. Yeah, and I just, I, I don't think those have been, like, acceptable, and I think they've been too frequent. And last night, I thought he was, like, like, he was sharp last night. I thought he was really, really on it. I mean, he had that block. Forget the Giannis stuff, because that's, like, kind of like, hey, dude, you're on Giannis. Like, focus on that. It's not mm-hmm. exactly being locked in there. But he had a he had that block on Drew early in the first quarter, which I thought oh, was, yeah. like, spectacular i thought he his recovery and just kind of like understanding of like hey like i can go over and block this shot because he can't get this pass to Giannis right now mm-hmm. and and that's really all i gotta worry about here like i thought i just thought he looked really sharp in a lot of ways yesterday yeah i was i was happy with mitch's play too he does this thing where like he blocks shots with his left hand which I, like they've explained it on the broadcast why he does it it's interesting but He's kind of ambidextrous with like. He got like he trained to do it, right? Because he's a righty yeah. or something. Yeah, and apparently it's like easier to like block shots with your left if you're a righty. I, I don't know the exact logic on it, but it's interesting. <laughs> I think it's like because most most players are right-handed. Yeah. So blocking with your left is actually closer to the I, I which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, overall, I mean, Mitch, Mitch was good. Mitch was good. Um, I think, I think he's been like a very like small problem in the grand scheme of things, but. Like his play, like his effort levels. Um, I, I, there has been some plays where like someone gets beat and they just get like a wide open lane and like Mitch is kind of there and he can make a play, but he kind of just lets them go by. So those, I think those are the kind of lapses you're, you're like referring to, which I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's stuff where I'm like, I can tell it's like I'm tired and I don't want to do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen that as well, especially in the Pelicans game. I, I remember oh, a couple of those. Yeah, yeah, that was a bad game. 
for for everybody on defense, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, all right, I'm gonna still steer away from the camera discussion. We're gonna say that for the end. I'm waiting um, for it. <laughs> yeah, but like, like look, look, let's let's be completely honest here. Again, the Knicks are like 25th or whatever the fuck it is in defensive rating. Not all of it can be because of just you're getting unlucky. Um, and let's let's also be real real here. I love RJ Barrett. I think RJ Barrett really does have an All NBA uh, defense caliber type of defensive ceiling. I think he's dropped off since I don't know when. You can probably the Chicago game after yeah, the Chicago, Chicago game. I think he's dropped off defensively. Um, I don't think the rotations have really been clean at all the entire season with the starters. I actually do think they've been better the last couple of games. Um, and my biggest concern with the starters, I, I just don't see a lot of communication. Like, it doesn't seem like they're talking much. I responded to one of your tweets today mentioning that, like, I mean, what what do you think about all those just concerns I, I, I generally listed there? Because they've all been concerns to me. And then the other one is just, like, not boxing out, not finishing possession. Seems like it's been a much bigger issue this year than I remember it being last year. Yeah, um, I do agree that RJ's defense has kind of dropped off. Um, he's not, I don't know, he hasn't been as, like, I don't know if engaged is the right word, but he just hasn't been, like, locked in, I guess. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like it hasn't been, like, like, the first possession of every game, it feels like he's, like, a step behind. He's, like, hanging out. Like, mm-hmm. there was one, I don't know, I, I don't remember Milwaukee, it, it might have been Milwaukee's first possession yesterday, where, like, Grayson... It just feels like anytime they want to run a pin down or, you know, have a guy curl off a screen or something to start a game, RJ is like, it's not necessarily bad defense, but it's more like, okay, I'll let you have that shot and I'll try and trail you and contest it, if that makes yeah, any sense. Like he's not actively trying to stop, but he's just like yeah. fine being there. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I could see that because he's not, I wouldn't say he's been bad on defense since the Chicago game. He's just been like, not as good, if that makes sense. He's been a cog. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And you that, need him to be good. a difference maker. Yeah, that's, that's that's the way I'd put it. Um, but just with the other concerns with the starting lineup, yeah, the, the communication. I mean, just from like looking, you know, we're not there, so we can't one hundred percent know. But it doesn't seem like they're communicating as much as they should be. There's a lot of miscommunications. I did a video on that too a couple of days ago, where like easy rotations or, or or sometimes they're collapsing in the paint on guys that you don't need to collapse against. There was one clip I remember in particular where. Grayson Allen came off like a regular pick and roll and he's like in the middle of the paint and Julius is in a drop. So, you know, he's there, but then Kemba drops from the corner as, as if Grayson's like this threat to like get downhill. And then they gave up an open corner three to whoever it was and he made it. So it, it's just like, kind of like, it's kind of like a trust thing. It's kind of like understanding the other team's personnel. Um, you know, the, the, the starting lineup is giving up 119 points per hundred possessions. Um, to put that into perspective, the Kings, they had the worst defensive rating last year. It was and they were giving up, Yeah, and they were giving up 116 points per 100 possessions. So the starting line of defense has been about as bad as it can possibly be. And they played 205 minutes together. So that's a huge sample size, even though it's only been, what, 12 games. But it's concerning to say the way.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.